Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. I've been a self-biohacker for decades. I'm constantly trying new things that will help me optimize my health and age gracefully. Since I was 16 years old, I've been searching for the optimal diet for myself, the most effective form of exercise, how to get the deepest, most restorative sleep, stress management techniques, getting various labs taken for comprehensive blood work and genetic information, purchasing devices to help me stay cool all night during perimenopause, serums and red light therapy caps to encourage healthy hair growth, and of course, how to keep my skin supple and young. I take very supplements based on all of that data that I have collected. And once you think you have your equation, something changes and you may need to go down a different path. It's a process that requires being open to change, having patience, accepting that there may be setbacks, and being diligent and intentional about your lifestyle. It's hard work, but aging gracefully and feeling the best I can are my priorities. My quality of life is at the top of my list. During one of my recent podcasts, my guest brought up a relatively new supplement on the market called Primadine. After hearing a brief description of this supplement, I knew I had to find out more. My guest today is Leslie Kenny, founder and CEO of Oxford HealthSpan and the supplement Primadine. Leslie is a Southern Californian entrepreneur, a certified health coach and graduate of both Berkeley and Harvard, whose life was turned upside down when she was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis in her 30s. When her doctors told her lupus had a life expectancy of five years and that RA could only be managed, not cured, she set out to optimize her health as best as she could with safe, natural solutions. She went back to school at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City, became a bulletproof coach under health pioneer Dave Asprey, and took on health coaching clients worldwide. At the same time, she began helping life science academics in European universities, including Oxford, where she lives, to raise money for their discoveries. At a meeting with one such scientist, she learned about a natural compound called spermidine, abundant in NATO, a traditional Japanese dish that she had grown up with. Spermidine was showing great promise supporting health as we age. The science was compelling. One scientist even calls it an anti-aging vitamin in a published scientific journal, and it was safe. Still, because it was natural, food-derived, and not a drug that would bring in more money, no one was interested in promoting it. Spermidine wasn't available in the U.S. or really even known here. In spotting this unmet need, Leslie decided to bring it to the U.S. herself. Today, at age 56, Leslie is living proof that we can get better with age so long as we take responsibility for our health and meet our doctors halfway. Welcome, Leslie. So excited to have you here. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Jill. So <laughs> lovely to meet a fellow biohacker and someone who is just getting better with age me. Oh, well, I am really excited to venture down this path and talk about spermidine. And um, for all of my listeners out there, I started taking this supplement about three and a half weeks ago. So haven't seen a ton of differences, but I know that they lie ahead. And um, so share with us your journey and how it ultimately led you to spermidine and starting your business. 
So uh, you mentioned in the intro that uh, in my 30s, I had been diagnosed with multiple autoimmune conditions, and that happened after a very intense period of professional career activity for me. I had been in uh, in Hong Kong, and I had a venture capital-backed online matchmaking company. So I was a pioneer in online matchmaking in Asia Pacific, and we went through the boom and the bust and it was extraordinarily stressful. And after a number of years, I was very lucky to be able to get a Japanese company to acquire those assets and went to Colorado with my husband to try to start a family. And he was quite anxious about this. He's younger than I am. I My uh, biological clock was ticking faster. And we tried and tried, just could not get pregnant. And at the same time, I noticed that my, my hands, I was having trouble turning doorknobs, using scissors. It was actually uh, one Christmas, I had been making handmade Christmas ornaments and cutting them out for the tree. And I could not use the scissors. And I thought, well, that's just, that's strange. I'll have to go see my doctor. And it was at that point when I got that call that nobody wants where the doctor, it's not the, the nurse that calls, to say, oh, here are your blood test results. It's actually the doctor. And the doctor says, would you mind coming in? Your test results are back. But they don't mm -hmm. tell you what those results are. And clearly not a good sign. So, you know, get into the office. She has me sit down. She says, well, now we know what's causing the pain in your hands. It is rheumatoid arthritis. I'm thinking arthritis, this is something that old people have, right? I'm only right. 39. And uh, she said, well, there are things we can give to you. There are injectables. So I think I got boxes of Enbrel and then Humira. And she said, you've also got lupus, which I hmm. had never heard of before. Didn't, you know, wasn't sure what it even meant. And I said, oh, and so what's the, what's the medicine for that? And she said, unfortunately, there isn't, there isn't a treatment for that. And I said, so, but wait a second, I, I'm doing a, I'm doing an IVF round right now. This is like my fourth IVF round. And I really need to do this and get this all taken care of before the next round. Plus I'm doing donor eggs. You don't know how important this is. And she looked at me sympathetically and just said, you know, I'm not sure about that. And mm. you probably have five good years left. And it's because these cytokines, these inflammatory markers in my body of tumor necrosis factor alpha and cytokines, they were so high. Another doctor said it looked like my body was fighting cancer, mm. which I immediately said, but that should be a good thing, right? And he said, but not if it's fighting yourself. So this was, this was a big wake up call. This clearly seemed to be a big problem. It was really putting a spanner in the works in terms of getting pregnant, which was what I had intended to do. And I think all of the, the career women who think, oh, I'm so smart, you know, I've done all my, my degrees, my graduate degree, I've got my career, now I'm in a financially secure position, and now let's have the baby at a time of my choosing, and it doesn't happen. Um, you know, that became my overriding goal was to have a baby and to have a doctor say, you know, this is probably not a good idea. 
effectively, you're going to leave, if you manage to get pregnant, you're going to leave that baby motherless. So I decided at that point, the best thing to do was to just go into denial, right? Because it's a false positive and we know tests aren't always accurate. Mm, she didn't seem so convinced. Again, I got that sympathetic look and I asked if I could do the test again. She agreed. And I left that with a, you know, just a, a real desire, a drive mm -hmm. to figure out what the problem was mm -hmm. and did as much research as I could on these autoimmune conditions and discovered that inflammation was at their root. So you may have heard people talk about inflammaging, so premature aging because of too much inflammation. And that is exactly what my body was doing. I was chronologically 39, but biologically, I was much, much older. And that's why my body was falling uh, prey to these illnesses. So I saw a book by Dr. Barry Sears, and it was called The Anti-Inflammatory Zone Diet. I did everything. I even made my own almond milk. I went off of gluten. I went off of dairy. I ate more uh, fresh vegetables and fruit. I made sure that I wasn't getting processed foods. I was having clean oils, uh, especially olive oil. And lo and behold, I went back. I had the test again. And she said, well, good news. It must have been a blip. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wait a second. I thought I was supposed to take these boxes of drugs. There are all these syringes filled with this immune suppressant that I have to inject into my belly. Anybody who's ever had to inject stuff into themselves, whether because of IVF or because of autoimmunity, it's really not fun. It's right. not fun. You get little track marks on your belly. Sometimes the needle goes in nicely. Sometimes you feel it. You know you're going to get a bruise. It's not nice. And I really, I just thought, but wait a second. If I was able to do it, what about everybody else who gets those boxes of drugs? Because most of them are not going to try. Most of them are going to lie back and say, they're going to roll over yep. and say, right, this is the expert. And therefore I should just accept my fate. So I have over the years met many of those people. And as those autoimmune drugs begin to stop working, they each will work for around 18 months, you, you cycle to the next one. And basically at the end, you're on methotrexate, which is a chemo drug. So for women then who are trying to get pregnant and are in methotrexate, it's very hard. So I must say that I was a bit angry that no one had said to me, well, in addition to taking these drugs, you could also investigate changing your diet, your lifestyle. Right. Um, one other thing that I did, which was a, an allopathic intervention and which was very novel at the time was called intravenous immunoglobulin. And I did two rounds of that. Each one was around 12,000 US dollars. And that is probably also part of what helped put my immune system back into balance. I mean, I don't know. I just, I threw the kitchen sink at it. I didn't have time to be scientific and say, right, let's just do one at a time. I just threw everything in. Right. 
How long was it between making that lifestyle change and your diagnosis to going back to the doctor to getting retested? You know, I've tried to look back and figure out exactly how long it was. It was between three and six months. I can't. So you know, not that long. Oh, no, not long at all. Not long at wow. all. Wow. And that's the beauty of the human body, actually. If you can just bring the body back into balance, it actually knows what to do. What an incredible journey. Yeah. Just so, incredible. Yeah. And then I did manage to get pregnant without any of the IVF, donor eggs, uh, you know, the many acupuncture treatments as I was having, you know, embryos put back into me. Anybody who's done that knows it is just, it's a gauntlet really. Yeah. But what a wonderful ending to a really <laughs> horrifying, you know, start to family planning. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I'm very, I'm very blessed with both an adopted daughter and a biological daughter who came to me at age 43. So anyone listening who thinks they might be, you know, their, their opportunity may have passed. Uh, I know women who've been 47 when they've given mm -hmm. uh, birth to very healthy babies. I just think in general, women are waiting longer anyway. They're getting their careers going and finding that time to really discover who they are before they become a mom. A yeah. lot of my uh, female clients are in family planning. They're all in their mid to upper thirties, which, you know, I was very young. I was 24. So um, we were talking earlier before we hopped on the podcast, which is, you know, which has more pros and cons being young and kind of dumb and having all, all your babies or being older and wiser and being a little bit more overly concerned about how to raise your baby. So or, <laughs> or you might minuses. say young, young and energetic and sparky, as opposed to older, fatigued and, <laughs> and competitive. <laughs> right, right. So how did that journey lead you to finding spermidine? Well, so as you mentioned, I, uh, I moved to Oxford, England, and my husband is from Oxford. So we came here and just on the playground with my girls, I would start talking to other mothers and fathers and ask them what they did. And they would tell me about the amazing science they were working on. And I'd say, wow, that's amazing. When is that going to be available on the market? And they'd say, oh, well, now it's all just, you know, I'm publishing papers right now. And I think, but wait, this is this is a breakthrough science. We need to get a company going here. We need to get this to market. And they'd say, oh, well, I'm not sure. And I'd say, have you raised any money? Well, no, not yet. It's very complicated. We've got to work with the university. It's just too much trouble. And I said, well, what if I raise the money for you? Mm. And that was the start of becoming the fundraiser for a number of Oxford University spin-out companies, but I was only interested in regenerative medicine. So stem cells, stem cell expansion, uh, you know, circadian rhythm, and uh, also ketones, which are very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I began to do that. And I started collaborating with Oxford Science Innovation, which is a big fund here in Oxford. And one of the guys there said, he knew about my journey. He knew that I was a health coach. And he said, you know, Leslie, there's a there's a scientist here that I really think you need to meet. She's an immunologist, a German immunologist named Katja Simon. And she's working with this really cool molecule named spermidine. It's, you know, it's got a lot of potential and it does a lot. 
but I don't think, you know, she'll, they'll never get a patent off of it. And cause it's just, you can't patent something like this. We make it in our bodies. It's in every single plant. You can't make a patent. And he said, but maybe you could do a product, you know, just educating people on it. And that would be your point of differentiation. So I went to meet Katja. It turned out that she was old, old friends with one of my Berkeley housemates, who was also German. And we really hit it off. And the more that I learned about spermidine's ability to slow aging, whether slowing the aging of the immune system or slowing the aging of the heart or the brain or the skin, or the hair and actually rejuvenating all of these things, the more I thought this really needs to get out there because it's safe, right? That's mm -hmm. always the biggest question. You have a new drug, gosh, is this thing safe? And we know what happened with the, with the opioid crisis. Everybody was, oh, it's very safe, right? 500,000 people dead later, we now know right. not true. So food is a lot safer. And there had already been some human trials which showed that, uh, you know, an amount of, a, of about a milligram, which is what we have in our dose, improves cognition in those with subjective cognitive decline. So I thought, well, let's give it a shot. And it wasn't available in the United States. I actually initially just tried to buy some from my mom from a company that I had discovered in Europe, but they wouldn't ship to the United States. So that was really why I wanted to bring it to the U.S. market. Hmm. Okay. So I know there's a really cool history about spermidine <laughs> discovered over like 330 years ago yeah. because, because the name spermidine, if you don't know what we're talking about, which of course, in the beginning, I didn't know what it was, you know, what a silly, silly name for a molecule. Yeah, it is. So that name was actually, the name spermine was first given by a Dutch father of biology, Antony van Leeuwenhoek in the 1600s when he, you know, he had a, a microscope and you can imagine boys in their toys. Oh, I've got this great new magnifying glass. What am I going to put under it? Well, I'll put my hair, I put some saliva, put a leaf, put some urine. Oh, let's put some semen there, right? And so he put this under the microscope and when the um, when the semen dried, he could see these crystals and he didn't know what they were, but he called them spermine. And then fast forward, you know, a few hundred years later, there was another crystal, which was different, which they then uh, called spermidine. So that is the, you know, that's, it is kind of unfortunate, really. And in fact, all of the polyamines have some pretty unfortunate names. Polyamines, uh, are actually needed in order for cells to grow and survive and thrive. So they're very, very important, but they have names like putrescine, right? Putrid, putrescine, right. <laughs> cadaverine, right? You keep looking at this, you're like, oh, sperm, cadaver, putrid, not nice at all. But they are very, uh, they are very important for human health. They are found in abundance in semen. And it's because they're, they're very small. Normally DNA will wrap around a histone bond, which is big, but spermidine is very tiny. So you can you basically compress it 
And uh, that allows then the sperm to get that important information into the egg. And once that, uh, that egg is fertilized, you know, you've got all of the dad's DNA there, which, is, um, which has been very compactly inserted in. It's also found in abundance in human breast milk. And the reason why is uh, because it helps we believe with sealing the lining of the gut. So you probably know the lining of the gut is only one cell thick. You have all of these sort of loosely held together cells in order, in order to tighten them up. Uh, spermidine helps tighten them up. You probably know about zonulin, which causes them to release. And then spermidine will help overcome that issue with zonulin and tighten things up so that the baby is then able to eventually eat solids, right? So infants have the highest concentration of spermidine in their bodies. And again, the reason why is because they need that in order to grow. So it's absolutely critical to, uh, to cell growth. So do men and women both have spermidine in them? Because if you're saying that it's found in breast milk, does that hmm. mean? Yep. Spermidine is found in breast milk. Right. But what if a woman's not lactating, right? So is it still in the woman or is it only in a woman during that time? So we all manufacture spermidine in our tissues and in our gut biome from, you know, infancy until, you know, until we, we die, we will have some amount of spermidine in us. The highest concentrations will be as infants. When we are lactating as mothers, yes, it is extremely high. And uh, if you are not lactating, unfortunately, you will have much less in your body. But of course, a woman, you, you have five children, so you know what happens if you don't actually express that milk, you, it's not as if we can retain it, right? We would, right. Uh, we would get, uh, you know, engorged. It would be horrible. It's very, horrible. very painful. Yeah. As you know, and, uh, and as I know, I can't forget how awful it was when that happened. And so, you know, you do need to, to get rid of that. Um, men actually have a bit of a superpower here because they are able if they were to use some of the old Taoist breath techniques, they would be able to tell their internal pharmacy, okay, make a lot of spermidine because we need it for semen. As they get to that point of ejaculation and release, if they are able to hold that in and recirculate that, they're essentially increasing the amount of production mm. in the body and they're able to reabsorb that, which is you know, why I call it a bit of a superpower. That is something we women cannot do if we're breastfeeding um, because of that engorgement problem. Hmm. Okay. And what about if a man has a vasectomy? Does that mean that his spermidine from that point on will even decrease more? Uh, that's a really good question. And so let's see, let's think about this. So if you've got a vasectomy, you simply have cut the tubing to the uh, urethra. So it's, it is not that you can't produce it. You would be able to produce it. You just, well, maybe it would be even better because you wouldn't be able to lose it. 
<laughs> um, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert here on male physiology, but I'm right. just trying to work through this. Okay. He potentiates it, but he's not able to actually release it in ejaculation. So, uh, I think that might be the answer, but don't hold me to okay. it. <laughs> So, so then you started taking spermidine before you started your company and I did, did you start taking it to see how it worked on yourself? Yes, I did. So, uh, so talking to Katja, I knew that it was for sale in Europe. So I ordered some, I was on it for about a year and a half and I knew that it would do good things for me under the hood. Uh, I did also notice that I had a slight bump up in my deep sleep um, and thought, okay, that's good. I know this is good for me. I'm just going to keep taking this. And then when I got our spermidine in, I just replaced that one with ours. Didn't think anything of it. Ours does have a prebiotic in it though, which will selectively feed the uh, strains of bacteria in the gut that also produce spermidine. And so when I started taking ours, the first thing that I noticed, and I wasn't expecting, was that my eyelashes grew mm. much, much longer. And I, I kept looking, I wear contacts. And so as I was putting my contact in my eye, I just thought, that's really strange. They look longer. Why? I've never really had long eyelashes, so I was not expecting that at all. And a few other things like that happened. Uh, my hairdresser said, oh, you've got this like new baby hair growth. And uh, also with the lipophagy. So spermidine activates cellular renewal through a process called autophagy or autophagy, which in Greek means self-eating. So it's like Pac-Man eating the bad parts of the cell, the dysfunctional organelle, the old mitochondria. We want new shiny mitochondria that produce lots of energy. And in addition to autophagy, it does virophagy where it eats viruses. It does mitophagy where it eats old mitochondria. And it does something called lipophagy where it does the same thing with lipids. And I've been battling cellulite since I was about 16. And I happened to catch myself in the mirror one day with the bright sunlight right on my thighs. That is just the worst light ever. It's so unforgiving. And I thought, is it my eyes? Are my eyes getting bad? Because I don't see that weird dimple that I've always had ah. there. <laughs> What's going on? So I started noticing things like this. And when I asked Katja, look, Katja, it's kind of weird, but uh, I seem to not have this funny dimple on my thigh like I used to, but mm. I feel like I'm the same weight. I know I'm the same weight. And she just said, oh, that's the lipophagy. And she didn't think anything of it. That's just lipophagy. But, wow. But that's actually a, a big deal if you it's a really Yeah, that's a really big deal. And I am going to shut my shade because I'm getting that awful sunlight on me. The, oh, sh yeah. the Chicago sun is coming out. Hang on one <laughs> no second. No problem. All right. I just have a swig of my bone broth here. <laughs> yeah, it's still super bright, but I mean, I'm grateful for the sunlight, but... 
Yeah, it's yeah. dazzling. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, let's talk about autophagy for a second mm. because I did do a lot of reading on spermidine and autophagy. Mm. And autophagy, yeah. the way that people get into the state of autophagy is through fasting. Yeah. Right. So, so we want to always have these extended overnight fasts. Stop eating after dinner and don't eat your first meal. You know, until maybe twelve to sometimes eighteen hours later, depending on yep. who you are and your goals. Yeah. And so I thought it was really. Um, really interesting that spermidine um gets you into that state of autophagy regardless fasting yeah a fasting mimetic yeah yeah so speak to that for um for the listeners right so uh so many people may know that as you pointed out you can fast you can just uh withhold food and uh that's why breakfast is called breakfast you're breaking your fast so all right. of us fast all the time because when we sleep we're doing that but fasting for longer periods of time can confer certain benefits and as you mentioned you could do that for 12 hours you could do that for 18 hours some people like to do uh you know five day water fast some people like to do them with bone broth like I've got here our coffee and uh, many people report feeling more energized more clear-headed having better skin having uh you know obviously they're they're going to drop some weight but dropping fat because you would be burning you would go into ketosis at that point in time and you would be burning ketones instead of glycogen, right? Your liver would have given up all of its uh, glucose. So there are benefits to that, but I am a hypothyroid patient. And if I fast, yes, yep, yep. And a lot of women are, especially as we age, it's something that both men and women should be thinking about. As a hypothyroid patient, if I fast for too long, what happens is my body says, no, this is not fantastic thing you should be doing in a cave in Sedona where you're having an enlightening experience. You are in a famine situation yep. and we are going to downregulate your metabolism and hold on to your fat so that you are able to survive this famine, right? Yep. And so when I started fasting and, you know, as a bulletproof coach, I was doing all the things. And uh, I learned an awful lot doing that. But for me as a hypothyroid patient, I learned that I needed to be especially careful. And as I was going through menopause, I noticed if I was trying to fast, what it would lead to was a lot of hot flashes. It did not serve my particular biology. I can't speak for everybody else, but I knew that wasn't right. So Spermidine is interesting because it does not require you to do those extended fast, mm -hmm. and yet it still triggers this amazing, uh, you know, cellular renewal and recycling process of autophagy without that feeling of I'm starving and uh oh, I'm actually holding on to my fat too. This is working against me. Right. I think that's really interesting because I'm the same as you. I I'll do an overnight fast, but anywhere between nine and 11 in the morning, I have yeah. to eat and I have yeah. to eat a nice amount of food. Yeah, exactly. Do, yeah. I like working out in a fasted state, but immediately afterwards I have to replenish with fuel. And that is in the form of a lot of food. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, 
So I really, I, you know, in fact, I'm almost at four weeks in taking primidine. And mm. I would have to say that I, for the past couple, two, three months, I mm. felt as if my body was not burning my own fat as a source of fuel, even though mm -hmm. I do not eat carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And it, I put on like five pounds, which for me, I never gain weight like that. Right. Mm. And so the, the last month it's come off. Oh, and interesting. The only, and the yeah. only thing I've changed is taking primidine. I've continued my overnight fast, yeah. but it has, I, I do believe that maybe that's one of the things that I'm noticing. Yeah. That's something that we have had people report. And even my uncle, uh, next door in the state, next door to you, he's in Indianapolis. He, uh, he had 10 pounds. He could just never lose. And he was able to get rid of it with the primidine. So it's probably the lipophagy that is doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I don't have any studies on that because none have been done, but we do have people say that, you know, that it has helped them in their own N equals one situations. Mm, interesting. So aging is the number one risk factor for disease. And in the published medical literature that I've read about spermidine, it's noted that spermidine hits on five or six of the nine hallmarks of aging. Mm. What are the hallmarks of aging or which ones are affected by spermidine in a positive way and how? And I, you know, most people out there don't even know what the hallmarks of aging are, <laughs> right? Okay. Right. So um, the hallmarks of aging, that paper was based on an early earlier paper about the hallmarks of cancer. So, mm. you know, everybody wanted to know what causes cancer. And so this paper was really saying, based on everything we know, and I think it was published in 2014, what are all the things that lead to aging? This is not to say these are the only things that lead to aging, but these were the things that were known at that time. And those nine hallmarks included things that you would expect, like, um, you know, uh, epigenetic changes, mitochondrial dysfunction, stem cell dysfunction. I think we all know stem cells are important, right? We want healthy stem cells. We don't want dysregulated stem cells. Um, there were things like impaired proteostasis. So that's a bit of a fancy word. So proteostasis just means proper protein folding and function um, within the cell. So proteins in the cell are important because they mm -hmm. act as transporters and help maintain cellular homeostasis. So you just want, you know, I always say, uh, autophagy is like Marie Kondo coming into your cells. And this is one of the things she does with impaired protein folding. She folds everything beautifully in the drawers, right. Right? right? So that's impaired protein folding. Um, impaired intercellular communication and also telomere shortening. So um, did I do all six epigenetic changes, impaired proteostasis, mitochondrial dysfunction, stem cell dysfunction, impaired intercellular communication and telomere shortening. Um, spermine inhibits a seventh hallmark, which is altered nutrient sensing, but that is a, that is a polyamine that is also in, um, in primidine, but, uh, it is a different polyamine. Wait, we lost connection for oh, okay. a couple seconds. Go back okay. on that. Um, so go back to, <clears throat> so just to do a quick rundown of what spermidine inhibits, it inhibits epigenetic changes, mm -hmm. impaired protein folding, right. 
mitochondrial dysfunction, stem cell dysfunction, impaired intercellular communication, mm -hmm. and telomere shortening. Spermine, so primidine has three polyamines, spermidine, spermine, and putrescine. They're all part of a recycling loop. And putrescine is a precursor to spermine and spermidine. Spermine itself inhibits a seventh hallmark, which is altered nutrient sensing. Mm, okay, and altered nutrient sensing mm. means what exactly? Um, so there are four pathways of nutrient sensing that regulate metabolism and influence our aging. Um, so there are key protein groups like IGF-1, mTOR, mm -hmm. uh, sirtuins, and AMPK. And we say that they're nutrient sensing because their nutrient levels in uh, because nutrient levels influence their activity in the body. And if you if they are dysregulated in any way, uh, you know, we don't get enough of them from our uh, from our food, then uh, we get this this hallmark of aging. So that's they, really they age us faster. So that's really interesting to me, and here's why. I am a huge proponent of taking the spectra cell micronutrient test. I actually just did a podcast with, mm. with them as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't, have you heard of the spectra I've cell? I've heard of spectra cell. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this micronutrient test is really cool because what it does is it tells you how your cellular health is. Are you absorbing all of the nutrients that you are putting into your body? So for example, uh, yes. The reason I took it a while back was because my hair started shedding profusely once I started going through perimenopause about three mm. and a half years ago. And I, I, you know, we're health coaches. We do a lot of the right things. And um, I was so flabbergasted as to why this was happening. My hormones, you know, although going through perimenopause, your hormones are completely on a roller coaster ride. We were trying to get them as balanced as, as you know, nicely as possible, getting my high, my thyroid, which I only have half a thyroid, getting that as balanced as possible and doing all the other lifestyle things, right? Yet still, for some reason, my cells were not absorbing the certain, the nutrients that I was giving it through my diet. I've been a carnivore for the last two years. So eating a very highly nutrient dense bioavailable diet. And when I got my results back, oh my gosh, I had like 15 functional deficiencies, mostly wow. in all the things that you would find in animal protein. And I was oh my God, thinking, that's shocking. shocking. Like, yeah. why is this happening? Well, it probably has a lot to do with my um, double variant MTHFR. I'm homozygous for that, which we talked mm. about before the podcast. So that makes things very difficult. It means my I have fewer methyl donors. It means those pathways that that MTHFR gene is only working at a 30, possibly a 30% capacity uh, versus 100% as a homozygous uh, carrier. And so I was having all of these um, roadblocks per mm. se, these hurdles within my body, within those pathways, within the cells. And so I thought the nutrient sensing was such a cool um hallmark of aging to hit which was another reason why i really wanted to take um, your product <laughs> well i'm glad to hear that i i have to say as a health coach myself when you mentioned these things the first thing i thought of was hydrochloric acid did they test mm. the acid levels mm -mm. in the gut because and no. you know you're not on like proton pump inhibitors no. or 
anything like that. No H. pylori, no candida, because that obviously Nothing. changes the acidity mm -mm. in the gut. Um, wow. Interesting. I know. So needless to say, I need to take a lot of supplementation and be very careful with toxins around me and mm. really live a very intentional lifestyle. And I have to say, while I've been on this journey after the micronutrient test, I do feel better and you get it every six months. It's only good for six months. Mm. And then you can see what other deficiencies you have, have some gone away or some yep. stable and are some still there and what to do with the next steps. But the spermidine really, I'm really hoping that that sort of is my last um, piece to my puzzle. Everybody Yay. has a different puzzle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, spermidine will certainly help with the hair shedding issue. And I'm not saying that it is the only thing. And with hair loss, it's a multi, it is often a multifactorial yeah. issue, but spermidine is a big piece of the puzzle. Thyroid is another big piece. So I always tell people who say they are experiencing hair loss immediately. Don't talk to me, go to your doctor preferably a functional medicine doctor who will do a comprehensive panel, uh, blood and urine to look at what is going on with your hormones. And I don't just mean estrogen and progesterone, but also testosterone for women because testosterone is right. linked to, you know, strong hair. Uh, also looking at melatonin, if you can, because melatonin is actually a piece of the hair puzzle too. Uh, and they have actually used topical melatonin to help with alopecia areata. So vitamin D is another one, but spermidine is also part of this. And that is because of the fact that it puts hair follicles into the antigen or growth phase of the hair life cycle. So there are basically three parts to it, the antigen, which is growth, and the catagen, which is resting, and then the telogen or telogen effluvium one, which is shedding. And you can tell if you ever pluck a hair out, you can always tell what stage that hair is in by looking at the, at the tip, not the tip, but the root. And if the root of it is round, then you know that's in the effluvium stage. And if it is shaped like a J, like a little hook, like a little fish hook, that is in the antigen phase. So that hair really shouldn't have been plucked out. So that's how you tell the difference. And spermidine uh, allows for hair to go into the antigen phase for longer. Um, when they've done studies in uh, Petri dishes with hair, human hair follicles and they've put spermidine in, they can see after only six days that those hair follicles, 26% um, more of those hair follicles go into the antigen phase. So, you know, you've got a quarter more of your hair switching over to antigen. We don't know if more happens after six days because that was just the experiment that was done. What, um, what also happens is that your epithelial stem cells are active then. So again, anything with stem cells, these are good things. There is a reason why cosmetic manufacturers are putting like plant stem cells into creams and talking about this um, because we need them. We need them to be there. And finally, it is only in the antigen phase when something called melanogenesis or melanin or pigment production happens. So a lot of my girlfriends have 
because I'm, I'll be 57 in June. All my friends are like, how is it possible that you are not dyeing your hair? This is really frustrating. It costs me over a hundred bucks a month. And now as yeah. I get older, I'm doing it like every four weeks and I'm doing my roots mm-hmm. and COVID was horrible because I had like, you know, I was like a, a raccoon. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I did do a few videos on YouTube on Leslie's new prime, which is my, my YouTube channel. And just talking about gray hair. And I ended up learning probably more than I should about gray hair and how to reverse it. But spermidine is a piece of the puzzle there too, because, uh, because of the fact that it promotes this melanin uh, production, which obviously we want. The older we get, the harder it is for our body to withstand some of the reactive oxygen species in our life, whether from stress, whether from alcohol, whether from a lifetime of smoking. And, uh, you know, there are things like glutathione, which are good for that, but just getting, you know, melanin production, just ramping that production up again is, uh, is super important. Does spermidine also have an effect on biotin or keratin production? Yeah, on keratin production as well. Yeah, so it will upregulate keratin production. Mm. Biotin is different. Biotin is uh, B7. And I don't know if that actually, I've never seen anything that says that it increases that. But biotin is, is also very important for hair. Um, B vitamins, generally, you would want to make sure that you had mm-hmm. um you know, B5 is very good for gray hair. B7 is good. Um, you don't want low B12 either. You don't want too high. I must say, and, and you will know this as a health coach, it's always a Goldilocks zone. That's why we yes. always tell people test, test, test. Right. It is important. If you're going to go down the path of supplementing, you have, you can't do this mindlessly. You must right. get a baseline and test every six months. Because if you go out of that Goldilocks zone, then you go into a zone of toxicity. You don't want to be too, you don't want to be deficient. You don't want to be toxic. Um, So then in addition to that, those B vitamins, uh, vitamin D is also important for, um, for pigmentation too. Right. So this is not just a one magic pill solution. So as the list, as my listeners can hear, you have to stack things, right? You have to stack your lifestyle with your supplements and your supplements are not the supplements that your next door neighbor is taking or your best friend is taking. It's what you're supposed to be taking based on certain tests that you have taken for yourself. And I can't tell you, I'm sure you have this all the time. I have it all the time with my clients. They come and we'll go over their supplements and I'll say, well, which doctor told you to take that? No, it wasn't a doctor. I read it in a magazine while I was waiting to see my doctor. So, so, you know, Yes, it, it's a little bit of an investment finding the right functional medicine doctor or naturopathic doctor who can help you figure out what is right for you, what is your equation, but so worth the money. So you're not mm-hmm. going down a path that isn't really meant for you. Yeah, exactly. In the same way that you would not say, oh, right, my neighbor has a dress this size, like size 12, I'm a size right. eight, right? I'll just go wear my neighbor's dress. That would be ridiculous, right? Right. And we are so unique. And it is, uh, it is again, very important to make sure we don't become toxic in something. Yeah. Um, or, you know, copper is important for hair color, but too much copper, not enough zinc, those go out of balance. That is problematic too. So very, right. very important to measure. What is nice about spermidine though, 
and I've been taking supplements basically since my autoimmune diagnoses. What I like about spermidine though, is that it covers a lot of bases. So there is only one other compound I know of that hits six of the hallmarks of aging, and that is an immune suppressant that transplant patients take called rapamycin. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that and I just said, well, I don't know. I know other biohackers want to take that. Former autoimmune patient was given the chance to take immune suppressants. Sorry, I'm going to say no to that. Just, yeah. you know, that's just me, right? But we also know that in the longevity blue zones of Okinawa, Ikaria, um, Sardinia, people have extremely high intakes of spermidine. And if you test their blood plasma levels of spermidine, they are high. So there is something that uh, something about these centenarians, and it, it probably is a combination of uh, good gut biome that allows them to continue to produce spermidine as they get older, because spermidine is produced in our tissues and our gut biome, and we get it then from our diet, so exogenously. And they're also taking it in. These folks are producing it in the gut biome, and they're taking it in in their diet. And you look at, at those those spots, uh, Nicoya in Costa Rica and Loma Linda in California, people are eating tons of plants. Um, and plants have just very high amounts of spermidine. Now, I know you're a carnivore coach. With For carnivore, those on the carnivore diet, I would suggest chicken liver. So there isn't a lot of spermidine in other meat, but it is abundant in chicken liver. So for you, that would be a really nice choice. And I remember when I was a kid, my grandmother would say, oh, you have to eat your chicken liver. I'd say, no, it's disgusting. She'd say, but it's so healthy. Now wait, we know. <laughs> yeah, you wait, you faded out for a few seconds when you're talking about what plants have spermidine in them. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's okay. But can you just because that actually was my next question for you? Ah, where, okay. where are we gonna find spermidine in, mm -hmm. in, in food? Okay, so you can find uh spermidine in great abundance in plants, and that's why these uh these populations of long-lived centenarians in the longevity blue zones, they have yeah. an overwhelmingly plant diet. So things like shiitake mushroom would be terrific. Things like natto. And I'm just going to show you a natto is fermented soybeans. And uh, for those who have problem with histamine, well, that's going to be an issue because if anything fermented is an issue, but just the way the Japanese live, this is this is a snack food in Japan. So this is uh, natto, dried natto that is flavored with seaweed and salt. This one is dried natto that is flavored with soy sauce. And people pick this up instead of a Mars bar, mm. right? And you're thinking, well, it's so easy for them to get tons of spermidine in their diet because look what they're buying, right? It's not McDonald's, it's this stuff. So um, natto has extremely high quantities. Wheat germ has, uh, has a lot. However, it also has omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids. And this is why bakers don't want wheat germ in their bread because it goes rancid very, very fast. And if you put wheat germ into bread, then 
that goes rancid, doesn't have a long shelf life. So bit of a double-edged sword with Weecher. Um, just trying to think some of the but other the, the, things. The, a, a couple things. One is I also read that spermidine was found in aged cheeses, like yes. cheeses. Uh, yes, you can find it in aged cheeses, cheddar. You can find it uh, in there. So something for the folks in the Cheddar Valley here in the United Kingdom. <laughs> um, you can find it in Parmesan. So I know Dr. Stephen Gundry, he actually suggests taking the rind of Parmesan and putting it into a risotto dish um, with, say, shiitake mushrooms and peas. And that is a nice way to actually increase the amount of spermidine you take. Um, the only thing with cheese is it does raise, it can raise cholesterol. And so a lot of doctors are not going to be happy if you have high cholesterol already and then you start taking it in this way. So yes, uh, definitely in there in fermented foods, they will be there. Peas are a great source. So uh, anyone who likes mushy peas, which is part of the national um, you know, supper in Scotland, mushy peas, that's a good thing. Um, but if you don't want to eat those foods, like as a, as a carnivore, I don't eat a lot of those foods. The, yeah. the cheeses, yes, but in very mm. moderately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is taking the supplement also just good enough? I, I No, I would not say that it's good enough. I think you really do need to get it from your diet. So I would suggest chicken liver, honestly. Okay. The uh, endoprebiotic is good for potentiating your body's own production of it. Um, our spermidine has one milligram of um, <clears throat> spermidine in it along with the prebiotic. If you look at the diets of people in the UK and the US, the average person has around eight milligrams that they take, it's not a lot, but then look at places like in Okinawa and it's 50, over 50 milligrams. It's a huge number, mm. right? Mm. It's an order of magnitude greater. And so it's important to, if you can get it in your diet, it is, you know, it's really, it's an important thing to do. Okay. And then is in your um, supplement, is it derived from wheat germ? And then it is derived so, from wheat germ. Right. So how does that fare with, I, I would think that people with celiac disease cannot take that. Supplement. No, they cannot take it. They cannot take okay. it. And it's actually the reason why we've come out with this. Um, I just happen to have this bottle here. We've come out with this gluten-free version, which is made from chlorella and um, Japanese lime, shikawasa and turmeric, um, because this is something that they can actually take. So the, the original version with the prebiotic has three polyamines, spermidine, spermine, and putrescine. Mm -hmm. This one has only spermidine and putrescine, so no spermine. And uh, for those who have SIBO, mm -hmm. uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, I would not suggest taking the gluten version because you will find that it may give you gastric upset. So for them, taking the gluten-free version would be the way to go, right? 
Very interesting. So I've been gluten-free for, I don't know, 15, 20 years or yeah, very, like very, me. yeah. And yeah. your product is not, I'm not celiac, but your product is, has not had any negative impact yeah. on my, mm. on my gut thus far. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. And that's the yeah. same for, uh, for me and the same for Amy Lamott, who's one of our advisors mm-hmm. and uh, nutrigenomics uh, advisor in Hong Kong. She and I both carry one of the celiac genes each, and we have really cut up gluten in our diet since, well, I don't know, since the early 2000s, both of us. And we don't have any gastric upset. But if someone were to take it and did feel it, I would want to know if they were celiac or if they had some kind of SIBO, something else going Mm. on in the gut. Yeah. That's good to know. I want to circle back to the uh, nine hallmarks of aging and talk about epigenetic alterations and how spermidine positively impacts that. So epigenetic alterations refers to our lifestyle that either turns on or turns off certain genes. Yeah. Well, it's really just bringing, uh, you know, bringing them back to kind of homeostasis. Mm. So if you were, if you're smoking, we know we can see that your different genes are going to be, you know, turned on that shouldn't be turned on. Right. Same for alcohol, drinking too much alcohol. We can see that if you were to take a test with say a group like chronomics or something. Mm -hmm. And all that this would be doing is allowing the body to, rather than switching those genes, those bad genes on, would then prevent them from doing that or make it more difficult for those bad genes to be switched on. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is actually right. But that is not an excuse. That is not an excuse out there to not change your lifestyle habits if they are negatively impacting your life. No. And the other, the other operative thing is that this is not a silver bullet. There are no silver bullets. This only can sort of support the body, right? Can't say someone who's a smoker. Oh, great. I'm a smoker. Now this will stop those epigenetic changes from happening. Well, if you've been smoking for 40 years, I don't know what we're going to do about the other stuff. You really need to give this up. Right. Yeah. Um, So this is not, this has a mitigating effect. It does not have a does not necessarily have a reversing effect. Right. So it's supportive. And so how long, if somebody wants to try your product, how long do you suggest they try it for so that they can see if it's something that's working for them? Well, we usually say, you know, three, three months, 90 days ought to be enough. But then a lot of people don't have these trackers like the Aura Ring or Mm -hmm. Fitbit or something else. Um, People who are really paying attention to their bodies, who really, you know, they're monitoring, they notice after 30 days. And it'll be things like what you were saying. Oh, that's interesting. I dropped those other five pounds. Yeah. Or, oh, my sleep is better. That's interesting. Right. And uh, so other people we've noticed it takes six months. So we had two customers. One was 91, now 92. The other one was 79. And they were just taking it because they knew it was good. Right. And a lot of times we do this. Oh, well, take vitamin D. It's good for me. And after about five months, uh, two things happened. It was with their hair. So the woman, her hair, the 
all of the, uh, the roots started coming in dark again. So she had sort of a, a dishwater blonde color before. And so that was very strange because it was all the original color at the roots, but at the ends, it was white. So she had short hair. And so you could really see it. It was almost like an Alice band, you know, that was dark, mm. darker, mm -hmm. right? And then the rest was white. And her husband, he has this bald patch here, and he started growing in these wispy hairs which were standing straight up because when they're mm -hmm. short, they, you know, at some point right. they just do stand straight up. But then he began to get, he's been white since she said his forties, these dark um, tufts, black tufts. And that was his original hair color was black, which was very strange. So for them, it was five months. And uh, so, you know, I think it depends on everyone's needs Right. They're obviously much older, therefore it might take much longer to see benefits. Uh, I think it really does partly depend on your biological age. So I forget where I read it, but I did read somewhere that said spermidine really is an optimal um, supplement to take for people over the age of 50, that people younger really are not going to benefit from it. Which makes sense when you talk about the nine hallmarks of aging. But then I also read that it enhances um, athletic performance. And it enhances fertility. So I think I, I certainly uh, have said in earlier podcasts, oh, look, you know, I don't want people wasting their money or effort, right? So I know for sure it works in people over 50. But since then, biohackers being biohackers, I have had a number of young people who have taken the product and said, oh, this really helps. So Caleb Barnes, who talks a lot about um, cognition and uh, neurological, neurological issues said, oh, it really helped her, you know, her brain function. I've had other young people say it helps with mood, which I thought was very interesting. And I know that in studies, this this helps with cognition for sure. I just didn't expect it to help with younger people. And it does make me wonder what their biological age is, or if something else is going on in their lives that is making it harder for their neurons to fire, or maybe just that autophagy in the brain is not able to happen as efficiently as it ought to be. Okay, repeat the last 15, 10 seconds because we lost. Sorry, I saw that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oxford has terrible Wi-Fi. I'm really sorry about That's this. That's okay. Um, so did you hear me talk about Kayla Barnes? That's where you were just starting and okay. you faded out. Okay. Um, so Kayla Barnes is an influencer who talks a lot about uh, neurocognition and she's 20, 27, 28, 29, around there. And I was very surprised to hear that she said it improved her cognition because she's so young. I have had other individuals say that it has helped their mood. Now I know that there are studies that demonstrate that it does help with cognition. And I know that because we are bringing spermidine in externally, that is going to preserve people's stores of SAM-E, which helps with mood. So I know these two things can happen. I just didn't expect them to happen with much younger, chronologically mm. younger people, which makes me wonder what is going 
on in their bodies? Is autophagy not happening for them as much as it could? Because obviously once you in, introduce uh, an autophagy inducer like spermidine, they're feeling the benefits. So I think it really has to do with biological age. It has to do with things like, you know, you mentioned your homozygous for the MTHFR gene, right? right. Um, we <clears throat> each have our own, let's call them vulnerabilities. And once we're aware of them, we can take steps to mitigate against them. And if someone's vulnerability happens to be less autophagy, then this would be a good thing for them, even if they are younger. And it does seem to help, uh, it does help with fertility. There have been some interesting studies on fertility. One out of Korea recently was fascinating because it helped with oogenesis. That is, so it helped with oogenesis, which is egg, um, basically maturation of eggs for mm -hmm. women. So as a former fertility patient, that, we, that meant a lot right. to me. It was like, ooh, maybe I should have been taking a lot of natto then. Should have been right. doing what my mother told me to do. I wonder what the effects on kids with ADHD spermidine would have. I don't know. That's interesting. I'm not sure. The, the neurological benefits that you were just talking about. So that just made me think about that. Because of my yeah. five kids, I've got half a house full of ADHDers. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. I guess, you know, that Dr. David Perlmutter has a book coming yeah. out called drop acid on uric acid. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how spermidine, mm -hmm. how spermidine fits into that, to be really honest. And I would want to also, again, make sure that the source was clean. So there wasn't too much of a histamine load because right. maybe those folks are having, an issue with histamine. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. But for the elderly, you're saying that you're not too old to start this. Oh my gosh. No, no. And you can see, you know, you can actually visibly see the changes. So I've had other um, people in here in Oxford, you know, this is a, a town where your mind is your career, right? It's full of academics. This is right. a university town. And uh, people saying that they're thinking more clearly, that they can remember things, they're remembering their words, um, but also that their nails aren't splitting or that they've had a nail that just couldn't heal and that it's healed, which um, I, found, uh, I found absolutely fascinating. That is fascinating. You know, Natalie Needham, she talked about that too in my podcast with her, that she had a nail that was constantly splitting and after taking primidine, it stopped. And I actually have the same nail as her that does it. So I'm curious to see. Really? What yes. Uh -huh. Excellent. Okay, yeah. good. Yes, definitely so we'll see. use that. Use yeah. that because I have had people in their, in their 90s, in their 70s, who've said that these nails, these split nails have healed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because and I- And that'll be the keratin. Yeah, I want my mom to start taking it too. So she said, all right, you give it a shot for three months, see how it is, and then I'll take it. So I'm a, I'm a month in. So, can't, <laughs> so obviously, spermidine can be taken with other supplements, but there yeah. are, are there any supplements that it shouldn't be taken with? Well, it's think of it like a food. If there is something that you would not want to take with a food, then keep them apart. It is, it is, it's from derived from, from wheat. So okay. if there is something that you think will have a reaction with wheat, 
then keep it apart. Okay. Um, the new product, which is chlorella based has naturally occurring vitamin D and K2. I like the fact that they're together, but vitamin D you'll know, we normally synthesize this in the morning. The body knows that if vitamin D is circulating in the body, Oh, it must be morning. So this one should only be taken before sort of two o'clock. Oh, right. Because the other one, it says to take it at right after dinner. And to yeah, take exactly. It, and to take it at the same time of day every day. Yeah, because of so that's our routine. That, yeah, and it seems to help with. Uh, we know spermidine helps reset circadian rhythm in in older animals, mm. um, and just because this has this has sort of two things, uh, a bit in opposition. So yes, spermidine will help with resetting the circadian rhythm, but the vitamin D really is a signal to the body that light sunlight is present right. that right. really should be taken uh, when sunlight is present. We just lost you a second. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. All right. So I've got a couple more fun questions left okay. before we Good. end. Good. What are your top three biohacks for your anti-aging routine? Ah, my top three biohacks. Okay. So um, let me think. One of them I talk about probably too much. It's my Katsu device. So you know that as we age, frailty is a big problem for us. And it is something that will predispose us to, you know, just early death. So keeping those muscles uh, is very important. And so um, that is, these are the bands, they're blood flow moderation bands. These are for the thighs and they're attached to a pneumatic pump. And basically it will fill up with air, just like a, um, a blood pressure cuff. And then you just do some bicep curls, something really easy. But how do you, um, how do you grip it? Well, it goes, so this is, this is for my leg, but you know, you would normally put it around your arm and then uh, it, would, it okay. would pump up and then you would just do these curls or Got you might it. have a very light weight. And then when it's released as that blood sort of, you know, shoots through like a hose message, the signals go to the pituitary that says, oh my God, we have just messed up some muscle. We need to repair that muscle because mm -hmm. we've been lifting, you know, a hundred kilos and the pituitary, it's again, like potentiating the yep. internal pharmacy. The pituitary then sends all this growth hormone to the, uh, to the limb to build that muscle. So people are always amazed when they feel my biceps. Cause I look so scrawny in some ways <laughs> when they feel the bicep, they know that there's actually like a serious muscle there. I love that. I mean, as we know, muscles are longevity organ. I yeah. always talk about sarcopenia. Yes. You've got to prioritize eating protein and yeah. you've got to weight lift. So I love, that's yep. a great one. Yeah. Yep. And you know, you talk about protein. So in the morning I have my I have my coffee, I have collagen in there mm -hmm. for those amino acids, and I have a little raw cacao, but also healthy fats. So healthy fats are just so important. Um, I really like my coconut MCTs. I know coconut oil is not for everybody. Some people are even allergic to it, but um, you know, healthy fats, avocado oil, is also a good one for me. And I love olive oil. So healthy fats. And uh, then I suppose also bone broth. 
mm-hmm. which I'm sipping in this other mug here. And I know as a carnivore coach, you'll be into that. Um, I love making my own bone broth, mm-hmm. just taking uh, chicken feet and chicken necks and putting it in with a knob of turmeric and ginger and some carrots and celery and some apple cider vinegar. And, uh, you know, just cooking that for 24 hours and drinking that goodness. Yeah, it's a lot easier to bake than people think. They get oh, very so intimidated easy. by it, but you could even do it in a crock pot and then you don't That's even what have I do. to. Yeah, it's super easy and so delicious. You store it in the freezer and you've got it for months. Yep, yep. Or just even put it into an ice cube tray, uh, right? Yeah. And then you freeze it and you've got like a terrific base for stir fries or, you know, other things. It makes a really nice sauce. Or if you just want something quick, you just pop it into your, uh, into your mug, put some hot water on top and you have a nice, healthy, uh, hydrating and nourishing drink there. Yeah. Well, Leslie, we are coming to a close and what a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful that you agreed to be on the podcast to share all this amazing information about spermidine and primidine and what it took for you, for your, your journey that landed you in that place, meeting those people and bringing this to market for all of us to benefit from. So kudos to you for doing that. Cause I know oh, I had, I had a food company um, before I became a health coach and it is, you know, you need a good set of running shoes because it is, <laughs> it, it is tough. It is a journey just to, yeah. to, to, have that idea of this product and then to bring it to market and make sure it's safe and effective for, for most people. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes, you know, we just have to step up and how cool to be able to inhibit aging. I often say that's our goal. We want to inhibit a million years of aging. I mean, you you look beautiful. Like your skin is glowing. (laughs) Your hair is so shiny. I mean, you know, and, and you're, you're a few years older than I am, but we're, we're in our mid fifties and we're rocking it. Right. Like, exactly. Exactly. We got to walk. We got to walk the talk. I think that's right. And, and also I really think it's important. You may be a listener, maybe in a state of dis-ease at this moment in time, but have hope because I was in a pretty bad state of disease and uh, you can turn it around. The body is miraculous. And as you pointed out, you know, it was between three or six months. I went back and I tested again and I did not have it. Right. It is just, it is, it is within the body's ability to do this. If we put it into the right circumstances. Right. And it's just changing your mindset and not always listening to your doctor with their conventional, traditional medical um, verbiage, right? Always going to get other opinions and other um, perspectives on what could be going on. And you have to be your own self-advocate and you have to be your own detective in terms of finding your equation. You can get help along the way through health coaches and functional medicine doctors, but we can only lead you to the water and then you have to do the work. And it is work. It's work. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I have always said, meet your doctors halfway. Yeah. Do not look to them for the solution. And uh, if we can work hand in hand with, uh, yeah. with our practitioners, then we will, we will find the solutions we need. Absolutely. So I will put in the show notes, how to find Leslie, how to find her YouTube, her Instagram, her Facebook, all her amazing information. And I've 
I've watched your YouTube channel. Have you? <laughs> yes, you have just some, you've uh, such a great way of delivering information in terms that the general public can really understand. It's oh, layman so terms, it's not too scientific, um, but just scientific enough. And so, and that's really helpful because people are often very intimidated by the world of functional medicine and alternative holistic approaches and not understanding. So kudos to you for doing that as well. And so I wanna thank you again. Thank you to my listeners for joining in and the show notes will have all sorts of goodies in there for you. Thank you, Leslie, nice to Wonderful. meet you. Thank you so much, Jill, it's been such a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again, stay healthy.